And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Please be seated. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The Word became flesh and pitched its tent among us. For centuries in the church, whenever that line was read from God's Word, everything stopped. Everything. People would kneel or genuflect or prostrate before the altar. Why? Because of the miracle of God taking on flesh and blood and making his dwelling among us. For centuries, when people would confess the Nicene Creed, when they came to the line and was made man, Everything stopped. People knelt. People genuflected. People prostrated before the altar of God. As the creed was sung, that line was sung at a higher volume, at a higher pitch, at a higher level than any other line. Why? Because... The glory of the Lord, the Lord who rules in grace and truth, had made his dwelling, pitched his tent among us. So what happened? What happened? How did that line become... Like every other line of Scripture, don't get me wrong, all of Scripture is God's Word, inspired, inerrant, infallible. How did we get to the point where the miracle of the incarnation became a miracle grown accustomed to? How did we get to the point where the miracle of Christmas God taking on flesh and blood gave way to pretty much everything else in the church and secular society. How did it get to be that the fact that the glory of the Lord has made its appearance among us evokes no great emotion or response. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating the fact that immediately we should start genuflecting here at Good Shepherd in the middle of the Nicene Creed. But I think it teaches us something with regard to the awe 
and reverence and respect that the incarnation of our Lord used to evoke from the people of God to how we react today. My friends, for the last four weeks, we've been working our way through John chapter 1, the first 18 verses, the prologue of John. The Word, the eternal logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through this Word, everything came into being. Nothing was created except that which was created through this Word. This Word is Jesus Christ. This Word is the life and the light of the entire world. John the Baptist witnessed to the light. He wasn't the light. He was a reflection, a mirror, a witness to the light of the world that was coming and had now made its appearance. My friends, John 1, 14, the Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us, has become a miracle grown accustomed to, a miracle that perhaps has become a nothing. And for that, we need to repent. My friends, do you see the awesomeness, the majesty, and the wonder that the God who created all things, the God who put all the stars in place, the God who dug the hole for the ocean, the God who orders all things would take on human flesh and blood and dwell among us. This incomprehensible mystery not only is true, but God does it for you, for me, for the world. John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, that word glory is all over in the church. We sing it in our liturgy, in our hymns, in God's word. What is it? What is this glory of God? God is holy. He is sinless, without sin, and that means he hates sin. There is nothing unholy about God. God's attribute of holiness just is. And when God reflects that holiness that is his by nature to the world, that is his glory. The holiness of God reflected to us. The glory of God. So what? 
In John chapter 2, the Christmas story, we read, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Are we terrified when we think of the glory of the Lord? Probably not. We don't even think about it. The glory of the Lord, His holiness, is revealed to the entire world. The glory of the Lord should strike fear and terror in us. Why? Because He's holy and we're not. The holiness of God reveals to us that we are sinners. We sin daily and we sin much. We surround ourselves with all kinds of false gods. We show them honor and reverence and love and devotion. But the one true God, maybe not so much. Our sin our sin has just become a natural part of who we are. We've grown accustomed to it. We like our habits. We don't like anyone to point out our faults or our problems, especially God. We know who number one is. And we like it that way. The holiness, the glory, the revelation of God, not always that important. My friends, it is because of our unholiness. It is because of our idolatry it is because of our lack of fear toward the one true God and our absolute fear of all things that are not God that prompted God to take on flesh and blood and make His dwelling among us. God reveals His glory to us not to vaporize us, not to whap us along the side of the head with a two-by-four. No. We have seen His glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God reveals His glory to us in the person of Jesus Christ, that, that babe in a manger. He reveals His glory to us in grace and truth. Did you catch that? We sang that in the hymn earlier in our service. He rules the world 
with grace and truth. See, this is who God is. He is not only holy, reflecting His glory to the whole world. God is grace. Grace giving us what we do not deserve. The truth of the matter is we are all sinners. Poor, miserable sinners destined for the fires of hell. The truth is God in His love and mercy sent His Son, God in the flesh, into this world of sin to save sinners. Sinners like you and me. The truth is that that babe in a manger is God in the flesh. True God, begotten of the Father from all eternity. True man, born of the Virgin Mary. This God-man Jesus is my Lord, is your Lord. He came into this world to die. Too often our Christmas celebrations end with the baby in a manger, with the nativity set, with the presents and the trees and the lights and all of the trappings of Christmas. My friends, this baby, this Jesus is born. He is revealed to us to take away the sin of the world. The light that brings life to all men was coming into the world. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. Not the darkness of our sin, not the darkness of death, not the darkness of the grave, not the darkness of fear, not any darkness. The light of the world, Jesus conquers, and he conquers all. But the best news of today is he conquers all for you. Our God rules the world with truth and grace. Everything that Jesus has accomplished in his perfect life, fulfilling the law, the law that condemns us, in his sacrificial death, the death we deserve, the death that he freely and willingly took on himself, becoming our substitute, the death he endured buried in a grave. My friends, everything that Jesus does, He does for you. Jesus died on a Friday we call good. And three days later rose from the dead never to die again. Christmas and Good Friday and Easter are one. This is how God rules the world in grace and truth for you. We don't decide to follow Jesus. No, John 1 teaches us. This is not by, by human opinion or human arrangement. No, God freely delivers the goods. He delivers the deliverance that he earned pouring it out in the waters of holy baptism. Robing you with the robe of Christ's righteousness. Feeding you with the bread of life every time you hear His Word. 
or hear that proclamation, that, that absolution that your sins are forgiven. Feeding you with the bread of life as you feast on His body and blood in the holy meal. This is how God continues to sustain us as we live in this idol-ridden, fear-filled world. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. This is how God deals with us. He reveals His glory in His Son, Jesus Christ, to bring us forgiveness, life, and salvation. When the shepherds saw the glory of God, they were afraid. My friends, there are too many people in this world that see or hear of the glory of God and are filled with fear because they don't know that Jesus has taken on flesh and blood to drive away our fears, to bring us grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. We stand here very near the end of a very difficult year. Like the shepherds, you may be filled with fear. Fear about political uncertainty. Fear about the stock market. Fear about a big blizzard next week. Fear about your job or your income. Fear about your family situation. Fear about your health. The list goes on and on and on. And my friends, if we're honest, the list of fears this year isn't that much different than the list of fears last year, or the year before, or next year, or the year after. Because as sinners, we are prone to fear. Sometimes healthy fear, more often unhealthy. My friends, today, here, once again, the good news that is for all people. And that means it is good news for you. The Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. God in the flesh for you. Jesus, God in the flesh, living and dying and rising. Why? To give you life. Full life, real life, a life that is rid of fear and anxiety, a life that is full of joy, knowing that you are God's child adopted into his family, forgiven, full, 
and free. How long will this promise be? We sang it just a few moments ago. Evermore and evermore. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our worries and fears in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.